0: Life's too short to kind of do something you're not really interested and passionate about. So don't be afraid to take a risk. Maybe it's not being an entrepreneur. Maybe you just want to get some money on the stock market, but you're scared that real estate's too risky. Or I think just, golly, life is short and don't be afraid to take a risk.
1: Welcome to the Real Estate Monopoly Podcast. My name is Kerwin Donis. My brothers and I got into real estate investing to achieve financial freedom and help underserved communities in Guatemala where our mom is from. Real estate is the vehicle we're taking to achieve our goals. And you can too. On this show, we share the stories of some of the most successful real estate investors to show you that you can succeed in real estate just like they have. Each episode, we deliver inspiring and educational content that will empower you to launch your real estate investing career and achieve your financial goals. Let's go. Andrew Campbell is a native Austinite and real estate entrepreneur who broke into real estate investing first as a passive investor in 2009. Fast forward to 2012, he transitioned into active investing and management of a personal portfolio that grew to 76 units across Austin and San Antonio. He earned his stripes building and managing his personal portfolio before he moved into larger multifamily buildings. At Wildhorn, he's focused on acquisitions and maintaining investor relations and he leverages his marketing background to build long-term relationships with his investors. Andrew's background is in market research and brand strategy, and he spent time in both advertising agencies and emerging technology consultancies, where he was most recently a partner at an award-winning app developer. He received his BS in advertising from the University of Texas at Austin and an MBA from Baylor University. After college, Andrew left Austin and worked in marketing. However, when his father got sick, he came back home and eventually came to the realization that he needed to find a way to pursue his passion for real estate.
0: Hey, well, we're a boutique multifamily group based in Austin, Texas. Uh, we've got uh, about 3,000 units. I think it's 12 assets closing on another one here soon. Um, yeah, just focused on on Central Texas, uh, you know, multifamily kind of B plus, A minus type assets. And Lucky to be from Austin. Kind of spend all our time in our backyard, similar to you guys, just looking for looking for deals that, that we think makes sense, and we've got conviction around. Well, just, I guess I was going to go back to the beginning. I guess you asked kind of how did you get into real estate? Um, you know, born and raised in Austin. Um, I got into real estate. I went to UT, kind of through and through Austinite, and went uh, left Austin for a while. Moved, moved back here in two thousand seven. Uh, my dad had some health issues, and so I moved home to kind of help take care of him. And that's really what thrust me into real estate. I wanted to find, realized I needed to create passive income, uh, so I started buying rental property, duplexes, fourplexes, and just dumb luck was in Austin, 2009, 10, 11. Was obviously you know coming out of the recession, which Austin never really had a big recession, but you know it was great timing. Was able to build a, a pretty good sized portfolio about 80 doors. I was working full time while I did that. And it got to a point where I realized that I needed to go scale that. That's where my passion was. And it was really my wife kind of urging me to say, hey, this is really what you're interested in and where you're spending all your energy. You're, you're working full-time. You're in real estate full-time. You should go after this. And so that's kind of what, what we did. And so you know, 2015, 2016, started Wildhorn uh, with Reed, who's one of our partners. Um, you know, we had really good synergies and kind of alignment of, of skill sets we were both done you know dip varied backgrounds in real estate but you know he kind of runs our asset management operations a structural engineer you know i was born and raised here have a marketing background the ability to raise capital and and find the deals um so that's kind of how we got started and then we have just continued to grow added cooper as a partner about two years ago another native Austinite, who's got a, a a kind of more traditional commercial real estate background and a lot of great relationships and um you know today we're we're all at it full time and trying to Trying to find good deals that make sense, which is tough.
1: Living in San Francisco at the time, Andrew got a call about his father that forced him to reassess his entire life. They set off a chain of events that put Andrew on a path to eventually pursue real estate as a means of reaching the freedom he wanted.
0: So he had a, a big brain hemorrhage. Um, he was 60 years old. Uh, it was, you know, obviously I got a phone call. I was living in Minneapolis. I was on a marketing advertising path uh, lived in San Francisco, then Minneapolis, and just got one of those phone calls that kind of changes your life. And, and his, his friend, cause of said, Hey, you need to fly home immediately. He's doesn't look like he's going to survive. So I flew home and I basically never left. And I was 27 at the time, um, ended up quitting my job. And I mean, he was, you know, like, I think a lot of people, he was kind of my hero growing up. And the guy I looked up to and I wanted to be like, and he was a, a an accounting finance kind of CFO guy, corporate guy. Um, He's a co-founder of a company, kind of entrepreneurial spirit, but it wasn't, there was no real estate background. I think real estate to me was a, I saw that, you know, I didn't want to kind of wind up like him first and foremost at 60 years old, you know, stressed out and, and have a, a massive, you know, health issue. Uh, but I also wanted the flexibility of my own time to help take care of him. I didn't have kids at the time. Uh, I wasn't married at the time, but just recognizing like, as I sort of projected out, Hey, I, I want passive income. Is sort of the key to, to things, and and so that's that's how I got into real estate. It's like, hey, had a friend, he had some rental properties. I read, you know, rich dad poor dad, millionaire real estate investor. You know, started started down the path. Um, and then, you know, as as we've grown, I think mean, goals have changed a little bit, and and now we're doing it full time. It's it's absolutely not passive for for what we're doing, but it's it's super fun. I've never had more fun. I've never felt more engaged, you know, and kind of getting to focus on the pieces of the business that I personally like, which is the relationships with investors, kind of building that out and, and then the, the acquisition side, you know, kind of getting to know the deals and the brokers and kind of figuring out that's kind of my competitive outlet, you know, so I think it just was started out wanting passive cash flow to, to have the time to help take care of him and whatever, you know, whatever life was going to throw at me. And it's kind of evolved a bit, but that's, that's kind of how it, it started.
1: Andrew didn't have major doubts as he embarked on his real estate journey, but he did face some fears. He didn't let these stop him, though. He took it step by step and focused on his goal to reach financial freedom.
0: I vividly remember the first fourplex I bought, you know, I was kind of buying C-plus properties. You know, I had a friend a kind of mentor who, who had a few. and He's like, look, I'll show you. And I actually bought on the same street he owned. But I remember, you know, vividly buying, showing up. After I left the, the title company, closed on the property, and got a letter in my hand, I'm introducing myself. Here's I'm your new landlord. Here's how you're going to pay your rent. And I I was terrified. I was like, Oh my god, what what I've just done? Like I don't know how to do this. Um, so you, you figure it out along the way, but it, it wasn't uh, like I didn't get into it with the idea of Hey, I want to go build out a, a big multifamily platform, and I want to have you know three thousand, five thousand units. It was. Let's go buy a fourplex and then go buy another one. And, and you know, the, the goal at the time was to kind of get enough passive income that I could, you know, retire or, or you know, live a, a slowed down lifestyle. And I think I've kind of figured out that's that's not who I am and I'm never going to retire. Uh, but I like, you know, it's evolved and, you know, here we are, we're growing and, and we'll wind up in a you know, we've got a, a pretty decent little company going. Andrew
1: slowly built his portfolio. He financed his deals through traditional financing, built equity and refinanced. He was able to reap the benefits of a booming market, but he began running out of his own capital. This problem pushed him to find a solution.
0: I had my head down, so I was working, you know, we, we had a couple little kids at the time and we were, I was, every time I could afford to buy another, you know, fourplex, I'd go get one. I was taking advantage of the fact you can get 10, you know, Fannie Mae loans, Freddie Mac loans. Um, so that was the goal. like go get 10 loans and then go figure out the next step and get the cash flow. So I would, you know, I'd get a bonus at work, I'd get cash flow from the properties, I'd go refi a property, I had enough for another down payment. So it just again, it was dumb luck timing. Uh, you know, properties <laughs> kind of like they're doing now in Austin were doubling in a year. Um, and so I'd have a ton of equity in them. I'd fix them up a little bit, I'd go buy another one. And so it just got to, we had about 80 doors. That I was managing myself, I was dropping off air filters every month. You know, when we had to get to lease out a unit, I had to go, you know, meet people. So it was a lot of work, and I was starting to run out of my own capital. I mean, as, as great as that was, it just I was property rich and cash poor. Like I wasn't going to be able to go. I realized to scale a the small properties are really difficult to scale because you're spread out all over the place. The, you know, the idea of having, you know, shared expenses with roofs and driveways and some of the commonalities that the larger properties are just much more efficient operating wise and location wise. Um, that kind of I, I, I saw that playing out. I knew that that was made sense. But then I'll do the, the capital side. Hey, I'm going to have to go partner with some of my friends, start raising money to be able to do these deals because I'm, I'm out of capital. And so we started making the decision to go down that path, you know, leveraging, hey, the fact I've got this portfolio, I kind of know what I'm doing. I'm going to start selling that to generate some capital to put in deals. But then I also, you know, do you want to come along and, and, you know, partner with me on the next deal?
1: Networking is important. And a big part of that is getting people to know you even before you meet. Building a brand can help build a positive reputation that will open doors and give you credibility. Andrew understood the importance of getting himself well-known in his market. He made an effort to reach out to his existing network and expand into new ones.
0: It was really, I think, starting to change the perception of, that people had of me just locally. You know, of hey, you're, you're Andrew, an advertising guy or tech guy, what, marketing. Like, no, I, I also have had a, a, a real estate portfolio, which a lot of my friends knew, but it was just, you know, I, I had a goal. I, w- I wanted to reconnect with a lot of my old, you know, sort of contacts, tell them what I was up to, just tell them I'm making this big pivot in my career. Also getting into you know the, the new space, meeting new you know the brokers, the lenders, the insurance, just that whole world that is the the real estate scene. So it, it was a little bit of both, kind of re-educating people in my old world and introducing myself to people in the new world, and, and then leveraging my background that hey I've, I've, I'm not just showing up, have never having done this. I've got eighty doors. I've, I've, I I kind of understand what I'm doing. Uh, here's the plan. You know, I want to start buying larger deals, and so that was a just a continuing sort of education process really for, as I was exploring it and kind of getting introduced and, and reintroduced to people. Um, and my goal was to kind of have five meetings a week, you know, so it was all face to face. We've always been, I've always been very focused locally I mean, we have investors kind of across the country, but, but I'm Austin based. The company's Austin based. A big percentage of our investors are people that know, know, like, and trust you, which are, are people we've known forever. Um, so it was face to face meetings, coffees, lunches, breakfasts, happy hours, I was trying to do one a day um, initially and, and we still, I spend a ton of my time every day. I just had a call with a, a new investor, right? Prior to, to jumping on this. Uh, so that's still a big piece of what I do and I, and I love it and enjoy it. But um, you know, it's just, it's just being authentic. And I think I don't have an agenda or I don't, you know, I, I don't actually go to a lot of, I should probably go to more, you know, kind of conferences. I just going to feel like we're, we're here, the business is here and, and I'm plenty busy. Um, but, you know, getting, just being out talking to people is, is kind of key to, to growing the business.
1: Through networking, Andrew met his partner, Reed. They met at a conference, and it wasn't long until they realized they complemented each other's strengths. This made them a great fit to partner up.
0: So Reed, you know, I, I had kind of, he and I were sort of on parallel paths and didn't know each other. He had done some some deals. He's structural engineer, had done sort of an owner's rep, ground up multi-work. He had owned a few of his own, you know, triplexes in New York when he moved here from Australia uh, and had, had made the decision, I want to go do larger deals. He'd partnered with some guys on some other stuff. Same time, kind of, I was making all those same moves. Um, we met actually at a, at a conference and we knew a lot of the same people said, hey, I think the things that we liked about each other was extremely driven and, and was going to hustle as hard as I was hustling and vice versa. And then varied skill set. So he's you know understands construction, sticks and bricks, financial underwriting was you know ten times as good as I was, faster. Uh, I offered the the local the ability to raise capital, et cetera. So that that sort of worked. And over the course of a couple months, we realized that hey, there's a lot of good synergies here. Let's partner up, you know, and 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 go forward. And so we did that, and it's been awesome. Um, And then you know Cooper came in, and I knew I've known Cooper, lifelong Austinite. You know, known a lot of the same people. Um, When we started in the business, got to know him, and then as he was looking to leave his, he was on the service side, as he was looking to leave, we started talking and knew him and kind of what he brought to the table and the relationships would bring another element to what we were doing. Like, no, it makes a ton of sense. You should come in and let's, let's the three of us be partners. And so that's kind of where we are today.
1: Every great team has designated roles where each member has responsibilities that align with their talents and interests. Putting the right people in the right seats is key to succeeding in business. Andrew's team is a great example of this.
0: So we kind of split it up. I'm more focused on you know, the acquisitions and kind of the, the, the capital raising side. So as we underwrite deals, we've got a, a director of acquisitions now, Hayden's you know, underwriting and kind of doing the, the day-to-day there, looking at you know all the deals. And I'm looking at some of them, but I'm, I'm leading the acquisitions and the capital piece. Cooper brings much more of kind of institutional capital relationships there. He also kind of does a lot more of our internal operational stuff, you know, the little things that, that you got to do, um, you know, and then the asset management, he's kind of doing more and more of that, uh, you know, just as, as the deals are, are more and more local. And then Reed is focused on the construction management. So we've built out a really nice, uh, mousetrap that we think gives us a kind of a competitive advantage on, on costs with his background in construction, you know, he focuses on that. And then a lot of the, you know, the the, the details with the lenders and some of the things that, you know, frankly I'm terrible at with details. Um, he's an engineer and he's more into that. So we've all kind of, there's definitely a lot of s- some overlap and, and sort of week by week, there's less overlap because we're, we're more and more defining it, but we've all got a role to play. And I think from the beginning we've recognized it's a hundred percent a team sport, you know, and you can't go buy and operate a 200 unit unit asset by yourself, you know, between, just all the various pieces, the, the communications with investors, the capital raising, the underwriting, the, the asset management. It's, it takes a team. And so, you know, we, we're really happy with the team we've built. And, um, you know, I think just recognizing early on you can't do it yourself, you probably shouldn't do it yourself was was key uh, driver there.
1: After months of looking for deals and meeting with brokers, Andrew and Reed finally found their first deal. Although it was a bigger deal than they'd anticipated, they were eager to take it on.
0: You know, I think as we started saying, hey, we should make sense to partner up and, and let's go really focus on Central Texas as a geography. It was a lot of, you know, probably eight months of, again, education, meeting the different brokers, underwriting a ton of deals, showing up on tours, just saying, hey, we're not we're not going to call you once and never show up again. We're real. We're legit. We're authentic. Um, so found a deal and, and recognized, hey, we, we like the story, the value add piece, the underwriting sort of checked out. Um, it was bigger deal than we probably wanted to do as our very first deal is 192 units. It was, we ended up raising $6.3 million, you know, probably it was, it was definitely a sort of pivotal moment of like, okay, here, here we go. You know, very first deal out of the shoot, you got to go raise $6 million um, that, that, that tested us for sure. But um, you know, it, it didn't happen overnight. I mean, again, we had had play eight months of being very consistent, looking at a ton of deals said, Hey, we really like this deal and, and we're able to, you know, Get awarded the deal and and uh we were off to the races
1: this deal was andrew's first raise during the eight months it took him to find his first deal andrew had been laying the groundwork for his investor database he'd planted seeds and tapped into his network to see who might be interested in investing
0: i think the biggest thing again is it was an eight eight to 12 month process of this education. So I was having these meetings one a day with people and sort of, Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is, what we're now looking for, would you be interested in a deal if the returns looked like this sort of a sample deal? So we had a pretty good idea that, that we had, you know, a good majority of the money would, would come in. And, and it was a lot of people that we knew uh, personally. So there was, there was still some trepidation again, that was a, that's a big raise on, on the very first deal and, you know, probably, close to two X, what we were really comfortable with, but said, Hey, we we really like the deal, the value add story, all of those pieces really check out. So this is, you know, it's, it's time to strap on your pants and get to work and in there. So that was, it it just, it wasn't an overnight process. Like it was very sort of thoughtful about having these just consistently having these meetings and knowing that, that you think you can go get that money raised. And then it was just time to, Hey, here's the opportunity present it do the webinar you know and it it worked out
1: a deal's story is so important although analyzing the financials is essential it's critical to get a holistic perspective on an investment opportunity by understanding the deal in the context of the market and the community surrounding it an investor can identify value add opportunities that might not be immediately apparent andrew found his first multifamily property in his desired market And the story behind it confirmed that it was a good deal.
0: It kind of checked a lot of the boxes. If you think about, you know, sort of the traditional value add pieces, the the, the location for us, and it it has been and continues to be probably the number one thing we look at. Um, You know, we're we're intensely focused on location and, and really want to be in sort of B plus and better areas. I think our firm belief is that, you know, kind of trying to buy a C class property and convert it to a B class property is really difficult. And you can get some exceedingly good returns, but you're adding a ton of risk and everything's risk adjusted. So, you know, if, if somebody's showing you a deal as a 20 IRR and we're showing a deal as a, a, a 10, not that we've done a 10, but that's that's twice as risky. You know, so that's uh, you got to think about it that way. And we think that, that this specific deal was in a really good area of San Antonio, uh, you know, kind of right across from really high-end retail, there's a BMW dealer across the street, just like it had a lot of the, the, the driver that signal, like this is, a, it's a good area. So we've really had conviction there. And then it had the ability, you know, the, the renovations had been owned by a REIT, who if you know anything about REITs are, are not big spenders of CapEx. They want to buy a property and just, they're just going to operate it. They do a great job of sort of fixing deferred maintenance, but they've not twisted all the knobs to value add. They haven't renovated. So we had an interior value renovation story Exterior and amenities, we could go update, uh, adding in pet yards, adding a cable program, just a lot of the things that really could produce value and and boost your NOI. Um, It kind of had the the vast majority of the things that you'd want to go add. Um, So that's that's why we liked it. Great area and it really was sort of an untouched value add opportunity.
1: During his first raise, Andrew was confronted with the reality of how stressful raising capital can be. After he met his raise goal and closed on the property, they were able to execute the business plan and successfully operate the property.
0: The raise was was stressful. Uh, you actually seeing the stuff come in, the money come in, and realizing, hey, pe- you know, some people are going to back out of their commitments, and so how do you backfill that and make sure you've got it all done? And That was definitely stressful. Uh, you know, every late nights looking at who else can we we call, etc. Um, the due diligence wise, it was it was pretty straightforward. There wasn't any, any major items, you know, knock on wood, the operations. It, it's funny, we just listed this property to sell. Um, and so it's on the market now. It's kind of bittersweet. It was it was—it was our first one. Uh, we've sold a couple of their deals, but this was the first one we bought. So uh, operations have been great. I mean, we have not had major issues or, or, you know, there's been nothing structurally. So its it's been a very clean deal. Um, I think that's part of what we liked about it going in. Like we've, we do a ton of work, up front, you know, even before we go put something under contract, we don't just sort of flippantly send out an LOI. Like we've toured the asset multiple times. We've done a ton of homework on, I've gotten title commitments. We like, we know what condition it is before you really step in. And if, if we see red flags kind of, as we're doing our underwriting and, you know, sort of pre due diligence, but pre-contract, we just, we won't pursue it. Um, so luckily we didn't have any, any issues.
1: As you mentioned, Andrew came from a marketing background before becoming a real estate investor. Marketing is a big part of building a brand and creating a thought leadership platform in the multifamily space. Andrew played to his strengths and leveraged them to create content and bring value to others.
0: I think I'm a firm believer that, you know, everybody's got a unique background and any unique story and unique skill sets. And, and I think you inherently fall back on what you know and, and what you're comfortable with. You know, and if you kind of go back to you look at sort of read and I, I mean, very different sort of personalities and upbringings. And I mean, he's an engineer. He likes the details. And I see details and I just glaze over and I'm like, I want nothing to do with them. So I think it's it's sort of natural where you fall into the lane of, of what you're, you gravitate towards. Um, and so for me, I don't, it's just part of sort of the DNA. I mean, I think communications is always big, important to me. I've, I've always enjoyed writing, uh, and I, I have been a good writer. So, you know, I write a monthly article and we put it kind of on our website and it's just a way to sort of stay current and talk about what we're, what we're dealing with. It's sort of a blog of, you know, here's a challenge or a topic we're thinking about. Um, so it just sort of comes naturally and, and that, that comes across. I think, get some of its personality, maybe more so than just like a marketing background, but I've always really valued people being authentic and, and I'm a pretty low-key down-to-earth guy. Uh, you know, I'm kind of, this is my golf shirt is my corporate attire every day. day. It's presenting that to people, you know, and I had a, a coffee with an investor this morning and just like, this is who I am. This is what we're all about. We want to be transparent. We want to be authentic, um, you know, and I think just being disciplined in the communication. So we, we commit to, we're going to write an article once a month, you know, we're going to send out a newsletter once a month, you know, if you invest in one of our deals, you're going to hear from us on that side once a month, like those, those pieces, um, are, are kind of the discipline of it. And then otherwise it's just sort of like, that's just what I, it's what I do. I, I write. So I don't, I don't host a podcast. You know, I, I love coming on and talking to people, but I like to write. So I write our updates, I write our articles and, you know, leverage kind of what I'm already into to, to kind of helps grow the business.
1: Austin, Texas, is one of the strongest markets in the nation. It's undergoing a massive boom that makes it a compelling place to invest in. Andrew is taking advantage of being born in that market and has enjoyed every moment of it.
0: The first person to say, I think, really, really lucky and sort of born on third base in the sense that when I grew up here, it was a, you know, sleepy, it was a city cap, state capital and and big university town uh, it's just exploded. And, you know, I think we're lucky in, in the, the sense of being born on third base that we're from here, that everybody's, you know, moving here and wants to invest here. And so you're seeing all these sort of outside sources and folks come in and, and we're just, you know, Hey, we, we happen to be from here. We've got lifelong relationships. So if I was, if I grew up in a different part of the, ta- uh, the country, probably, you know, don't have that same sort of conviction and passion. Cause you know, it's just, we're, you and I were talking beforehand. I mean, it's, this is, Where you are, Raleigh, Durham, and Austin are you know two of the top three probably you know just best places to live, fastest growing. You know you go find the list, and they're they're at the top. Um, We're just taking advantage of that, you know. So I, I think that that's we're lucky in that sense. But then you also, if you really sort of start to peel back the onion, you look at the demand drivers and the job growth and the the massive corporate relocations that have happened. The Oracles, the Teslas, the you know, every single tech company's got a presence here. You know, we got massive infrastructure, biotech companies coming, Samsungs. I mean, like huge headline job announcements. You look at the census data over the last ten years. You know, fastest growing city and projected to double in population the next twenty years. All of those things from our in our business, firm belief that multifamily is just a function of job and population growth. And if you have those two things and you don't get over leveraged, you're going to do, do really well in the business. And so just capitalizing on that, being lucky and then, and then having the relationships to take advantage of it.
1: Although Andrew is a general partner on his own properties, he started out as a passive investor. He learned a lot as a passive investor and understood the importance of not only trusting the lead sponsor team, but also liking them. The sponsorship team is after all, more important than the deal itself.
0: I still invest passive. Yeah. Um, my very first deals kind of entry to real estate was as a passive investor with a, a local company. It was actually a condo developments. Um, so they were buying infill sites and building condos and I still invest with them today. Learning wise, you know, I think just recognizing it's really, really important to trust the team. Um, and we, we preach that today as well. And, and you not, not in a sales, as you can probably tell, I'm not a, I'm not a high pressure sales guy. Like, you've got to know who you're investing with. And so, if you don't like me, you shouldn't invest with me because who you invest with is probably more important than the market. And then the deal is probably the third most important, to be honest. If things turn, you want to know who the team is. So, you know, they they were friends of mine at the beginning and and I knew they had a great reputation and the professional and and all those things. So, you know, again, knock on wood. Luckily, I haven't had to learn any painful investments with them and they've been building stuff in Austin and Austin's done well. So, it's, it's been good there. Uh, but I think, I think understanding who you're investing with and getting references and talking to other people that have, have invested with them is, is really important. Um, and so that's, you know, again, haven't, haven't had to learn any painful lessons. I mean, I've had a few investments that are better. That are, people aren't good communicators and you got to pull teeth to get an update out of them. It's like, what guys, it's not that difficult. Just, you know, it, frankly, it makes our job really easy because we get great feedback on our communications. Cause we're consistent, you know, like every single month we're going to send out an update. And like, oh my, y'all are the best communicator. You do such a great job. It's like, well, that's because the bar is so low. I'm not the world's best communicator, but I commit that every middle of the month, we're getting an update out. So I think understanding who you, who you are investing with is, is really important. Despite
1: the common hurdles that most investors face, Andrew's discipline and investment criteria has helped him and his partners continue to do good deals and protect themselves and their investors.
0: I've been really fortunate. I haven't had any really painful, awful lessons uh, in the real estate side and investing. You know, again, some of that is is just luck. Uh, I mean, we've we every deal has not gone perfectly. You'll know, make no mistake. We've had, you know, massive plumbing leaks and underwriting misses and things. But uh, we haven't had any really awful mistakes. We've been able to work our way through things and out of things. That's that's been been lucky. Uh, I think some of that though comes back to being really disciplined in our approach. Uh, and I mentioned kind of the amount of, of effort we put into every single deal. Part of the reason we don't want to grow geographically, you know, where we, we can see everything. It's easy. It doesn't take me about 30 minutes to go run and check on a new deal. Uh, really understand the area, drive the comps, tour the comps. So when we dig in on a deal, we really, really dug in. And by the time we get to offering, uh, you know, an LOI, Particularly if you got hard money up, which you got to do a lot, a lot of times these days. Like we know what we're getting into. We know, you know, with, with a pretty good degree of certainty, you know, if there's skeletons in the closet, things we need to be aware of. Uh, so I think that's really helped us avoid having really painful lessons. Um, you know, we, we've had some some interesting contract negotiations with some sellers where we kind of had our you know Spidey sense was up that, that everything went on the up and up, but you you know that because you've done the energy and you, you work, and we're not. We're not too spread thin geographically. You know, we're not spread too thin. Just sort of, hey, let me just go write a bunch of offers and see who, who, where I get some traction.
1: When he first started out, Andrew's goals were centered on achieving financial freedom. Now, his goals expand beyond that. And although he hasn't refined exactly what his long-term vision is, there is one thing he's certain of. Real estate will be involved.
0: I think that's a constantly changing you know, metric and I think that's what's fun. You know, mentioned earlier, like, I got into real estate with the goal of you know X amount of passive dollars every month, so I could sit on the beach and the golf course. And and today I have zero interest in that. You know, we've got four kids, we're running around crazy. But but I I firmly believe we will be do I will be doing this. You know, for the rest of my life in Austin and in Central Texas. Uh, and I love real estate. I love chasing the deals. I really genuinely enjoy getting to know people. And it's really fun to educate them on what we're doing. It's really fun to, you know, to deliver returns and have people say, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Like that is such a cool feeling. It's not even about the dollars that you've made or you kind of made them. But like you've helped them achieve their dreams and goals. Like that's fun. So I know I'm going to be doing that forever. You know, I what does the future of Wildhorn look like? I know it'll be Central Texas focused. I know it'll be real estate focused. We don't have a you know, Hey, I got to get to 10,000 units. You know, I kind of the one rule that, that I joke about is that when we have to hire a director of HR, we're done growing. I know I don't want to go build a 50 person company that now you have, you know, a bunch of layers and I get removed from the deals. Now you're doing deals just to generate fees. Cause you got a big payroll nut you got to meet. Like I know there's some sort of guidelines and guardrails that I, I want to stay within that lane, but otherwise I think we just have our head down, you know, want to find good opportunities find good, interesting assets that we believe in. And, and, you know, if we've got the, 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 the interest and the capacity from an equity raise and from our investor base, then, you know, we want to present them with interesting opportunities. So if that's a hundred million dollar multifamily deal, maybe someday, if that's a office opportunity or a raw land site that we stumble across, I don't know, kind of open to anything, but there's not, I don't worry too much about having a defined, like, what's my end goal because when I started my career, you could have bet me any amount of money you wanted that hey someday you're gonna have a you know half a billion dollar real estate portfolio. I'd have I laughed. You know it wasn't on the radar at all. And when I bought my first fourplex, you could have told me that and I would have laughed like it wasn't on my radar. So it's it's just keeping our head down and having fun. I think as long as we're having fun, you know, open to whatever it becomes.
1: Rather than pursuing a retirement on the beach, Andrew plans to continue running his business and pursuing his real estate passion. Although he will be working for as long as he can. He'll enjoy the freedom of time that real estate offers.
0: I think the biggest thing, you know, so the, the one of the shifts, you know, again, the, the passive, having this total passive life by design of sitting on the beach is it's not really the goal for me. I love working. I love talking to people. And, and so I'm not trying to sort of how fast can I make a set amount of money and, and move on. I think where it's it's made a big impact is having you know your own business and kind of being your own CEO allows you to have some flexibility and like I've never worked harder, never worked more hours, but I can shift things around. I can do them, you know. I don't have to be at my desk all the time. I actually hate being at my desk, but I'm out looking at properties. But I don't have to be in Austin. I can work from you know the mountains for a week if I need to, and and I can you know drop my kids off at school. I, I think that is all something I really. Enjoy and I, I, I'm very thankful to be able to take advantage of. But I also think, come back to a little of, of the goal, not traveling, you know, for work and you're working for a corporate job. And I used to travel a ton and just being gone. I mean, I, I reflect on my oldest daughter is 10 and I've got a one and a half year old. And the difference when, when my oldest was born, I was working a full time job, I was getting an MBA on the weekends, and I had a real estate portfolio. And I would show up from home and she'd be six months old. And you know, she said, "No, no, him." Like, cause I, she knew I was gonna come take spend time with her. She wanted to hang with her mom, like I was almost a stranger. And my youngest daughter is one and a half. She's like, she's daddy's little girl. And I walk in the door, and she's super excited because she knows me, cause I'm here more. And I think not having to travel is probably the biggest impact I've seen. You know, just having that, like, look, our business is here, and I'm not. I'm very rarely out of town. Uh, and so that that's probably what I'd say, like what's real estate given me the ability to do. It's just like be at home, be present more with my kids. Even though I'm busier than ever, I'm able to sort of really be home.
1: Andrew and his team are closing out on a few more projects as the year comes to an end. Andrew is now focusing on keeping his head down and taking it day by day.
0: So we've got two deals under contract right now. The goal, obviously get both of those closed. Uh, we've got a deal on the market to, that I mentioned our first deal to, you know, to get that sold as that's kind of goal, get that sold and closed by the end of the year. And then it's just keep our head down. I man. I think one of the questions you always get talking to investors, is like when's your next deal It's like, I have no idea. You know, it depends. It could be tomorrow. It could be six months from now. You know, we've, we've been fortunate. We've, we've been able to do a couple of deals at least every year. And so it's, it's never, it hasn't been more than say six months, um, but you know, it's really just taking it day by day. I mean, we've, we've got the team built sort of the, 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 the ship is built. We got, we could grow. We're 3,000 units. We could be 6,000 units with the team we have today. I think that's exciting to me that we've sort of done that, that work on that side. So if we go find three deals, let's go, let's go. Like we have the, the team to go do that. So it's, it's just, and again, I'm very acquisitions focused. So it, it's just. There's no necessary goal other than close the stuff we have under contract and then, you know, see if anything interesting comes up between now and then.
1: Taking risks is something every successful entrepreneur needs to do if they want to move the needle. Andrew has been willing to take risks because he understood life is too short not to.
0: I think take risks, you know, kind of follow, follow, not necessarily your dreams, but, you know, t- take risks. I mean, if I go back to me buying that first fourplex and being terrified of, Oh my gosh, I got to go talk to these people. And that was, that was a big risk and it, it's turned out you know incredibly well. So I, I think reflecting on, you know, kind of how I started with my dad's, you know, Hey, life's too short. And then, you know, several years later, my mom got cancer, passed away. Like you realize you see these things, it, it's life's too short to kind of do something you're not really interested and passionate about. So don't be afraid to take a risk. You can always, maybe it's not being an entrepreneur. Maybe you just want to get some money on the stock market, but you're, you're scared that real estate's too risky or, you know, you, you hate your job, you need to get another job. I think just, golly, life is short and and don't be afraid to take a risk.
1: To reach out to Andrew and learn more about his business, here's where you can go to find out more.
0: Our website, you know, Wildhorn Cap, www.wildhorncap is the website. And there's, you know, you can connect with us there. You can read all the articles. So we've got, you know, F- Facebook and LinkedIn and we're putting content out. But Uh, Feel free to email me directly. My email is andrew at wildhorncap or just go to the website Uh, there. You try to try to be easy to find on there.
1: Thank you for joining us today on the Real Estate Monopoly podcast. If you got value from this episode, please do us a favor and give us a good rating and review on Apple podcasts. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too make sure to visit our website at www.donisinvestmentgroup.com backslash monopoly, where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you'll never miss a show. If you want to avoid the top five mistakes passive investors make, you can also check out our free ebook by going to www.donisinvestmentgroup.com and downloading it. Be sure to tune in to our next episode. Until then, take care, guys.